I'm here. Here we are. We. Here we are. Yes. This is like 10 minutes of chatter. Should I, re- should I start over? Uh, okay. Eh, Do we want it'll to? Give him, eh, it'll give him something to listen to. I don't know. Maybe I said something funny. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest new readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our March Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm great. Uh, As I was telling you, I'm very excited about my books today. Mm -hmm. It was a really hard decision. So I think that's good news for everyone because March is on fire as far Mm -hmm. as I think the well, I'm not going to say quality, but the quantity of books that are coming out. I think we're officially gearing up for summer reading starting in yeah, March. I do too. And there are so many good ones. Same thing. I had trouble narrowing it down, which is such a juxtaposition to February. February, I was like struggling to not to find books to bring to the show for radar, but I sampled a bunch of February releases. I'm like, I'm not enjoying these. Like it was mm-hmm. like weirding me out in a way. I'm like, I haven't had that experience before, but March is going to be an all-star. And I have a, I have an all-time favorite book I'm bringing today. The, my latest read has made my all-time favorite list. Whoa. I have no problem saying that. No problem saying it. I cannot wait to tell you all about it. I can't <laughs> wait to hear about it. Okay. That's, that's exciting. And I, I don't say that lightly. I really mm-hmm. don't say that lightly. But anyway, very excited about this new release. And the book that I'm bringing as my latest read that I'm obsessed with is a March release. Okay. Well, we're getting a lot today. I can't wait to hear because, I mean, once you say all-time favorite, then also all-time favorites, all-time, we we need to know. And that would also be fun sometime to really force ourselves to put together (gasps) our, oh my gosh, 10 all-time favorites. I mean, let's do it. For our hundredth episode, I've been trying to think of like yes. what we could do to like make it really special. <gasps> oh, I don't 10. know. Ten? Can we narrow it? Can we do ten all? Yeah, time we can favorites? narrow it down. We can do okay. it. All, all right, right, we're Steve, doing it. We just hold it. Hold us. We to just that. brainstorm um, <laughs> live on live. Air. Well, okay, you know, sort of live. All right. All right. Well, um, me... I I'll go ahead. Wait, I was going to tease you quick with my my book picks. Also, to let the listeners know. My book picks are a direct reflection of my reading mood lately. And I do have to say my reading mood lately is mysteries and thrillers and anything that might hit me that sounds a little bit far out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's I'm not be- normally I, you. I, I, I know. Think. Well, mysteries and thrillers. Yes. Yes. But I have, I had been finding that outside of The Last Orphan, not a lot of new release thrillers were thrilling me. Okay. But I think that's going to change starting in March. I hope so. I could, I love, you know, of course, we love good mystery thrillers. And when you find a good one, it feels so special. It feels like a, because there's so many not good ones. True. (laughs) At least that I've seen. Okay, let's get to it. All right. Well, I'll tell you first about my loving lately. If you remember from a couple episodes back, my one of my goals for 2023 was to wear more jewelry. So again, I'm bringing you a jewelry company that I discovered on Etsy. Now, I should say, I don't know that it's a jewelry company so much as it's a creator on Etsy. So it's, you know, this uh, a person that creates jewelry and sells it on their Etsy store, which hats off to folks that do that because it is, I mean... There are so many things on Etsy that I'm like, how do you even get your stuff out there? So I thought, hey, let me, you know, at least bring it to the show. I really like this seller. Um, the shop's name is Gold Spoon Jewelry, and they're out of Rancho Pela Verde, California. I probably said that wrong, but hopefully not. <laughs> and I loved their stuff. It's pretty 
kind of boho, dainty, a lot of rings, a lot of earrings. I ordered this set for myself. I'm showing oh, Renee. Okay. It's a ring. It's kind of got an opal and then there's like a, a half of a sunrise on top. Very inexpensive. This is not like fine jewelry. It's, you know, hopefully it won't turn my fingers green, but so far <laughs> so good. So I got myself this ring set and I got myself tiny hoops that have little spikes on them. But what I like and why I thought these were so remarkable is because sometimes I've purchased hoops and they don't have the stick on the back where you like put the back on it. You kind of just have to clasp it closed. I can't tell you how many hoops I've had where it's impossible to close. So I'm like, forget it. I'm just not going to wear these because I can't get them in my ears. These are, I, I get them in, in two seconds. Like it's awesome. You just, boop, you squeeze them shut and they shut. It's really nice. I looked up some of the specs on their store. They sell gold and silver. I you know prefer gold, but you can have either. It's gold plated um, and it shows you, you can buy a single one, you can buy double. It's called a latchback, which I think is what makes it so easy to get into your ear. Nickel-free, and it was packaged super well. They do free shipping on orders 35 plus. And honestly, I got this stuff in, and granted, I'm in Illinois. They're in California, so it's not, you know, whatever. It's still within the U.S., but I really got this within a week, which I was very impressed by. So again, if you're on, if you're like me and kind of like wanting to up your jewelry game, I wanted to recommend this store. It's got a five-star rating at 107,000 sales. So like I'm not unique in finding them. Yeah, that's a lot. So this is Gold Spoon Jewelry on Etsy. Oh, okay, fine. I think you just opened up a whole new Loving Lately portal for us with Etsy. Etsy? I I would not have. Now, what can I find on Etsy? Literally everything. (laughs) Everything. Yeah. And that was part of me too. I I was like, have we ever talked about Etsy on the show? I don't don't know that we have. So go forth and and explore. (laughs) Okay. Good suggestion. All right. My loving lately today is something I absolutely love all the time. In in general, it's lists, but I'm going to be more specific. I love making lists, but I also love researching and reading other people's lists. Lists are something that I, I have a little bit of a obsession about. And our patrons already know, I I usually always put at least one list in our weekly newsletter. And I love re- like I love looking for lists. And today I want to bring you a blogging website I found called booklistqueen.com. Mm-hmm. It's run by a lady named Rachel. She has lists upon lists upon lists. And it's really quite interesting the way she curates book lists. There is a lot. I'm not going to even attempt to tell you everything that's on her website, but what she does have is a convenient drop-down menu at the top of her site. You literally just click on lists, and it allows you to just look at tons of different options. Now, here's two I want to bring to you that I really liked. I browsed through all of these And one is called 38 Books You Can't Put Down Once You Begin. And the other one is is a more recent one that she posted. And it's a book blogger's 2022 reading list. Every book I read last year. And she had read 150 books. And she had them listed and sorted by genre with star ratings and a a couple word descriptions. Very succinct. Oh my goodness. Very visually appealing. So much work. <laughs> it, it, it has to be a ton of work. And what's interesting is looking through, I was like, oh, okay. I don't think she and I would be book twins or like, but there was quite a few books that I would have rated the same that she rated. But it's always fun to see how other people are rating books. And also, if if you just need like a quick list, and you want it, you want it sorted by genres. You want it sorted by books that have been made into adaptations. Anything. Give her website a try. I really, really like it. It is booklistqueen.com. Yes, I know her. Well, Rachel, I've like connected mm-hmm. with her online before. She also has an Instagram. Same thing, booklistqueen. 
She's a really good blogger. I could never, mostly because I don't know how to make websites work. I just like to share my thoughts <laughs> with words. <laughs> I don't know how to do web pages, but yeah, she does an, a wonderful it's job. So very visual. Yeah, it's very visually appealing the way she does graphics, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how she does it either, but I yeah. like it. Yes, agreed. Same. All right. The time has come for me to share my latest oh, read with you all. And I know you know this one, Renee. We talked about it, but I didn't know if you knew it was bringing, I was bringing it today. My latest read is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. And John, go ahead and put in my five-star rating <laughs> sound right now. I loved this book. Like, I am so in love with this book. Oh, It's to the point where I don't want to tell you all too much about it because I think some of the reasons I fell in love with it is because I didn't know what I was getting into. William Waters is the main character, and he grew up in a home silenced by tragedy because before he was born, his older sister passed away. And that's like off the page. It happened. You know it happened, but it's, you know, not really talked a ton about. But his parents never really fell in love with William. They kind of just treated him almost as a roommate or like a colleague versus a child. So he grew up super lonely and fell in love with basketball. And he ends up growing to be like six foot 10 or something crazy like that. So it works out that he is a fan of basketball. He gets to college and this girl, Julia, falls kind of in love with him. They're very, very different. He's more reserved and shy. She is a go-getter. She is a woman who knows what she wants. I should mention this is set in, it's it spans many, many years. Um, but when they meet, it's in the late 70s, early 80s. And Julia comes from a very big family. She's got three sisters. They are close as can be. They're called the Padovano family. And so you come to know each of the sisters. I learned that this book is loosely an homage to Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Oh. And I loved that. They acknowledge that in the book. Like the sisters, they joke about it. Oh, which sister are you? And they like reference the different sisters. And each of the sisters has their own personality. The story is told from three perspectives, from William, from Julia, then from Julia's sister, Sylvie's perspective. And I'm going to leave it there. It's set in Chicago in Pilsen, which is a beautiful neighborhood. I was so delighted because I've never read a book set specifically in Pilsen. And what's really cool about Pilsen is that it's got a ton of murals all over. It's like a gorgeous part of the city. And one of the sisters is an artist. So she like painted a lot of these murals. There's also a lovely bookstore in Pilsen in real life. And really, this book just follows the characters. It's very, very character-driven. Of course, things happen and they have to, you know, navigate the challenges that come throughout life. I'm going to leave it there. I think you could read the synopsis and not get any spoilers, but let me tell you, this book gutted me. Like, I cried a hundred times while I was reading this. Like, she, the author, has such a way with words it made me grateful to be a reader. It made me grateful to be alive. Like it was just one of those books where I'm like, oh my God, I don't want it to end. I love these people. I'm going to miss them when the story is over. There's friendship, there's found family, there's complicated relationships, there's love. Chicago is a character, which of course I loved. And uh, I just think everybody could find something to like about this. I think this would be great for book club. And I, once this book comes out, by the way, it comes out on March 15th. So it's a little bit of an advanced review. I'm going to take Jonathan and my daughter over to Pilsen. They have the bookstore there. I want to go to the bookstore, buy this book. They talk a lot about this library that's actually in Pilsen. I'm going to go to the library and like take pictures of all these things. That's how like deeply I was touched by this story. The funny part is I was reading the authors lives in Brooklyn. So I think one of her uncles lives in Pilsen. That was her part of her inspiration. But I have to say hats off because she absolutely nailed Chicago and like did such a good job with crafting this story. I love it. Can't wait for more of you to read it. Ugh, so happy. It's Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Oh, okay. That's, that was definitely on my radar, but really I didn't know anything about it. I don't know why I grabbed it. I, I knew the author because she was the author of Dear Edward. 
because she is the author of Dear Edward. So I knew the author and it was that thing. I've been sampling a ton of books. Nothing was grabbing me. And this got me from the first page, from the jump, no questions asked, like pulled me in. I just, ooh, I'm a sucker for stories like this. So (laughs) I think you would like it too, Renee. It sounds like something I will definitely like. All right, my latest read is very different. I think you might be surprised by this one. Okay. It is called Forbidden Notebook, and it is by a Cuban-Italian author named Alba de Cespedes. And it's translated by Anne Goldstein, who is a famous Italian translator, and she translated the Ilana Ferrante books. So this book was originally, I'm going to tell you more about this later. It was originally published in 1952. And wow. Yeah, 1952. So keep that in mind when I tell you about it. It was just it was just recently translated for the US by Anne and re- and then republished in January of 2023. So I ended up listening to this Cassandra Campbell narrates. She did a fantastic job because there is a lot of Italian names and places and it was oh, it was so good. So this is the story of a dissatisfied housewife living in post-war Rome in the early 1950s. And her name is Valeria, and she never really suspected how unhappy she had become with her life until she begins to jot down her thoughts and feelings in a little black book she keeps hidden in the closet. And why do you think, why would she have to keep it hidden? And that's a whole story. But this new secret activity leads her to start scrutinizing herself and her life a little more closely. And it's not long before she has quite a few revelations about her life. She is a mom of two teenagers. Her daughter is 19 and her son is 17, I believe. So they're older teenagers, technically adult and almost adult. And her husband and her and her have been married for many years. So as the conflicts between parents and children and husband and wife and friends and lovers start to intensify in the story, what goes on behind the family's facade of middle-class respectability gradually comes to light. And we start to see the possibility that this family might be torn apart. This is obviously not a plot-driven story. Do not pick this up if you want a fast-paced plot. But what it is, is an intricately told portrayal of domestic life. It is a character study of a woman who I would say is at a crossroads in her midlife. She's about 42. And the fact that this book could be so... I was listening to this. I binged it. So despite the fact that it's not plot-driven, I binged it in a day, you would have thought, I would have thought it was actually written now. Like, if you, if you took out the, the date, like the details about what was happening in Rome at that time, after Mussolini, and like you get a little bit, you get the historical facts. You know it's happening at that time. But wow how applicable this story is right now. And also the whole forbidden aspect of this notebook is very intriguing. That's why I picked it up. So I I initially came across this on Instagram. So sometimes the algorithm gives me things that I actually might be interested in. And the um, publisher, which is Astra House Books, came up and I was like, oh, let me see anything book related I'll, I'll check on. So anyway, I saw this book. I downloaded the audio and I was like, let me just give this a quick listen. The opening scene pulled me in because Valeria narrates this story. And I just want to share with you a bit of the opening scene because this is why I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm going to read this book. And I had a feeling I would love it. In one of the opening scenes, Valeria is out shopping She's going to the tobacco store to buy tobacco for her husband. And she's carrying flowers that she just bought on the way to the tobacco shop. And when she gets to the tobacco shop, the man at the shop says to her, 
oh, your husband is really going to enjoy those flowers. And she says, I bought them for myself. And I was like, oh, okay. I need to know more about Valeria. I want to know more about this story. So if that sounds intriguing to you, this book, like I said, was originally published so many years ago. But I think if you picked it up now, you would be shocked at how relevant it is today. Because Valeria wants to find her voice, needs to find her voice. And there are so many people who want to stifle her voice, including her own family. I think her story transcends time. I think her desire and search for what she's looking for is universal and applicable to all women today. And especially if you are a mother, and especially if you are raising teenagers, and especially if you are raising daughters, you are going to want to read this. I know, yes. Tina. Yes. You're gonna, I don't know if you should read this, Tina. You're going to be like, Lily, Lily, are you going to be like... I mean, her I daughter know. is challenging to her, but also her daughter is definitely a reflection of a different generation, but also a reflection of what Valeria wants within herself. It's very, it's really, really interesting. So I want to leave you with this. I would call this a lens book. You can read and discuss the, discuss this book through a feminist lens and have an absolute million things to talk about. Other lenses that you could use to look at this book, class and socioeconomic, parenting, marriage, and aging, all of it. And so for all of that, for all of those reasons, this would make a perfect book club book or a book to buddy read with a friend. I would love for somebody to read this, and I would love to discuss it. Critics are absolutely raving about this book. The Wall Street Journal in particular has a review and called it brilliant. So that is The Forbidden Notebook by Alba Decespedes. Translated by Ann Goldstein. You did such a good job selling this book. Like, you did so good. I am intrigued. You also helped me realize that a dissatisfied housewife is a sub genre that I love. (laughs) Really? Did that that intrigue you? Not, you weren't like, no thanks. (laughs) Oh, no. Immediately, I'm like, yes, tell me more. Cause, you know, my, one of my favorite books, When I Ran Away by Alona Bannister, was a dissatisfied house, well, mom and, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this would be such a great like book juxtaposition with that because that was like she was a that's new mom. Modern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and, it's, and this is a um, a mom a little bit later. Yeah. But also really you don't even have to be a mom to appreciate the forbidden notebook. You just have to be a woman. However, I was thinking about whether this could be a good book club for you, Tina, because John's in the book club. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh gosh, I wonder, and John edits for us. So I wonder if, what John would think of a story like this or what, you know, know, a man would, like men would think. Yeah. And it would be eye-opening, I think, for men to read, you know, some of what is in this book. Yeah, I think so. For some men, but I don't know. I've never read the book. I know John right. would probably, he's very progressive. <laughs> his thinking. Like, he's great. It's really nice though. you're right to have him in book club because sometimes he does offer perspective that I just don't know that some others would. And that could just be a quirk with him. But anyway, we're talking about you, John, <laughs> even though you're, you're going to listen Feel to free this to edit, here. But Yeah. Okay. No, that's great though. I'm excited that you brought that one because I never would have heard about that. And I would say too, Hello Beautiful has a ton of themes of motherhood. Like that is a very big theme like throughout. Oh, okay. I'm so good juxtaposition there. All right. All right. Number one, let's jump right into our books on the radar. There are so many. We actually thought, you know what? Let's take a different take. Usually we bring four and have book talk. We're just going to get right into the books and each bring five. Is that right? Yes. Yikes. All right. I better talk quick. (laughs) (laughs) Book number one for me is Joanna Porter is Not Sorry by Sarah Reed. This one comes out on March 7th. I loved this one. First of all, the cover is great. Kind of grabbed me initially. And this is a debut novel about a soccer... This is the hook. A soccer mom who steals a world-famous portrait of herself from the narcissistic artist who was once her lover. I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. Uh, Interesting. Mm -hmm. So the headlines dubbed it as the art heist of the decade. But for Joanna, it wasn't theft. It was a rescue. 
20 years ago, she was a rising star in the art world, but now she's an unknown soccer mom. But she gets this invitation to an elite gallery opening from her former lover, Nestor Pinedo. And Joanna wants to like throw it in the trash. Like, whatever, I'm not going to this thing. But her daughter, it sounds like, encourages her, styles her up, and makes her into this woman she was 20 years prior when she was in the art world. Then she sees this portrait, La Rosa Blanca, and it's Joanna. When she was young, fearless, fierce, and it's being sold for an exorbitant amount. So she decides to cut it out of the frame, roll it up, and walk out of the art gallery. (laughs) And she's like, I'm just taking back what was stolen from me. But then she's like, uh, it sounds like she's obviously getting paranoid having done this. She doesn't want to destroy it. There's guilt. And like, anyway, it sounds like things take off from there. What I thought of this one, I thought it sounded like it could be really good. It sounds unique. It gave me a little bit of Finley Donovan is killing it vibes. It sounds like she's a, and I could be totally off. I haven't read this book, but it sounds like she's like a little bit like finds herself in these situations where she does the thing. And then she's like, oh my God, how am I going to walk (laughs) myself back from this? So very curious. This one is Joanna Porter is not sorry by Sarah Reed. Okay, great. All right. My first book is All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay. Comes out March 7th. And the story starts one afternoon in November 1975 when 10-year-old Miranda comes home from school to find that her house is eerily quiet. Her mother should be at home. However, her mother is missing, but nothing else is out of place. There's not a sign of a struggle. Her mom's purse is still in the front hall in its usual spot. And so begins a mystery that is going to span a lifetime because what happened to Jane Larkin? Now, initially, investigators are going to suspect Jane's husband, and he is Dan Larkin. He is a criminal defense attorney. So you would think surely he he would be an expert in outfoxing the police. And maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But no evidence is found linking him to the crime or any crime, if there was one, or did Jane just walk away? And eventually, they don't figure out what happens, and the case fades from public memory. But everyone is left wondering, what happened to Jane, especially her three children? There's Miranda, there's Alex, there's Jeff. And they are left to be raised by a man who may have murdered their mother, unless she just walked away, which is possible. So cut to 20 years later, and the remains of Jane are found. So the investigation is awakened. It starts all over. The children are now grown, and they are forced to choose sides. Are they going to be with their father or against him? Is he guilty or innocent? And what happens if they're wrong? about whatever, whichever side they land on. This is billed as a tale about family secrets and vengeance, but also family love. And Louise Penny blurbed this, and she called it astonishing, powerful, and provocative. So that is All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one sounds really Oof. good. Sounds so good. All right. I Oh, I like the sound of this. Well, obviously... Obviously, I like the sound of all of these, but (laughs) next for me is called Our Best Intentions by Vibhuti Jane. Comes out on March 14th. And for this one, what got me were the comps. It's comped with Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng and Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keene. Loved both of those. So I'm like, all right, let me see. Mm -hmm. Babur Bobby Singh is a single parent and owner of a fledgling Uber business called Move With Bobby and he remains ever hopeful about achieving the American dream. He lives in an affluent suburb of New York with his daughter, Angie, who's an introverted teen who feels pretty uncomfortable in her own skin unless she is swimming. That is her passion. Then one day during summer break, Angie's walking home after training at the high school when she finds Henry McCleary, a classmate from a wealthy, prominent family, stabbed and bleeding on the football field. The police immediately focus their investigation on Shiera Tompkins, a runaway black girl who disappears after the stabbing and then it's later discovered wasn't properly enrolled in the high school. 
everyone is thinking, okay, she must have been the culprit. And of course, the incident sends shockwaves through the community and reveals jarring truths about the lengths to which families will go to to protect themselves. The town begins to fracture, and Angie must navigate conflicting narratives and wrestle with her own responsibility, if she has any. And meanwhile, Babur's painstaking efforts to shield Angie and protect his hard-earned efforts to assimilate overshadow his ability to see right from wrong. The story is told from multiple perspectives. It's a suspenseful drama about a father-daughter re-examining their familial bonds and their place in the community. Sounds like this is a legal thriller, a little bit, not legal thriller, but you know, there's like um, legal elements to it. They're calling it a gripping page turner in an intimate portrait of an immigrant family. I'm really, really excited about this. I hope, oh, I just hope it's well done. It reminded me too a little bit of Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, mm-hmm. which yeah. I stay looking for comps for. <laughs> like I want more books just like that one. This one I think has potential. This is Our Best Intentions by Vibhuti Jane. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really good. All right. My next book is a debut and it is At Sea by Emma Fedor. Comes out March 7th. You've got to just take in this this premise. You've got Kara and Brendan. And this is a this is a a book set initially in the summer on Martha's Vineyard. And Kara and Brendan are strangers who meet. She's fresh out of college. And initially she is swept away by Brendan. She thinks he's funny. She thinks he's charming. And she is intoxicated by his thrilling, dangerous secret, which I have to tell you, when I first read that, at first, I thought, oh my gosh, is he a serial killer? Like, <laughs> Of course. <laughs> what is he secretly kills people? No. His thrilling secret is he can breathe underwater. Oh my. Okay. okay. Isn't that, that, this is interesting. All right. So he is able to stay beneath the water longer than should be possible. And he ends up telling her that he is part of a secret experimental unit of the U.S. Special Forces. And Kara, who is infatuated by him, believes him, believes, sees, I mean, she obviously sees that he can do it. She is drawn in by his unstoppable charisma. And by the evidence before her, she believes him. And during the summer, their romance turns very serious and Kara gets pregnant. And eventually, nine months later, their son Micah is born, and she is sure that they are going to have a happy ending. However, she gets to be a little thrown by Brendan's dramatic moods, his unexplained disappearances, and the weight of his secrets. But she is determined to stay strong for her young family. She feels like she could help heal his psychic wounds, which, you know, right there, that's probably a red flag. And she thinks she can keep him and her son safe. Until one day, both Brendan and baby Micah vanish. And they leave Kara desperate and alone and questioning everything she thought was true. Cut to five years later, she is still struggling to move forward. But she is married to another man and trying to rebuild her life. And one day, a local fisherman tells her that he has spotted two people, one of them a small child, and they were treading water in Nantucket Sound, far from any vessels and miles from shore. So, of course, this news rekindles Kara's never-abandoned hope that her little boy might still be alive. And what I'm guessing is the story is going to go from there. How crazy does that sound? And I need to know what happened and is any of this true and what will she find out? So that is At Sea by Emma Fedora comes out March 7th. Yes. Give us different. You know, I love it. Isn't I love that different? A, a different premise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See how different that is? All right. Next for me is called Lone Women by Victor Laval. And this one comes out on March 21st. It is a genre matchup of historical fiction, horror, and a little bit literary fiction. He's pretty prolific. I've never read this author, but I thought, oh my gosh, the premise of this sounds so good. It's about Adelaide Henry, who carries an enormous steamer trunk with her wherever she goes. It's locked at all times because 
When it's opened, people around her start to disappear. The year is 1914, and Adelaide is in trouble. Her secret sin killed her parents and forced her to flee from her hometown in Redondo, California, in a rush, and she was forced to make her way to Montana as a homesteader. She's dragging this trunk with her at every stop, and she's becoming one of the lone women to take advantage of the government's offer for free land for those who can cultivate it, which I think, oh my gosh, I love when a book puts us in a time and place in history that I didn't know much about. I'm like, oh, I want to know more. But Adelaide isn't alone because she's got this trunk with her. I don't know what's in the trunk, but we're going to find out. (laughs) And she's also got her secret that she's tried so desperately to lock away. And it sounds like the trunk might be the only thing that keeps her alive. Look, I'm not quite sure where this all goes, but I'm going to (laughs) be there for the ride. This book is called Lone Women by Victor Laval. All right. That. Yes, give us something different. Give us a wait. Wait till you're my a next trunk. One. My okay. next one is like a little too different, but I think it'll work. But All right. tell us yours first. All right, my next one is fitting my mood of international thrillers, which you know I love that, especially ones in translation. And this one is Red Queen by Juan Gomez Gerardo. Comes out March 14th. This is a thriller, and it's translated from the Spanish by Nick Kaster. Um, I am going to go with the audio on this one. I already have a copy because Scott Brick, one of my favorite narrators, narrates this. This story introduces us to Antonio Scott, and she is billed as the most compelling and original detective since Elizabeth Salander from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Say no more. That's all I needed to know, but I will tell you a little bit about the plot. So Antonia is the daughter of a British diplomat and a Spanish mother, and she has a gifted forensic mind. She has the ability to reconstruct crimes and solve baffling murders in a very timely manner, and her ability is legendary. But after a personal trauma, she is refusing to work, and she also refuses to leave her apartment. And then you have a police officer named John Gutierrez, He is disgraced, he's been suspended, and he is about to face criminal charges when he's offered a chance to salvage his career by a secretive organization that works in the shadows to direct criminal investigations of highly sensitive natures. And all John has to do to succeed is to do what others have failed to do, which is convince Antonia to come out of her self-imposed retirement. And he has to protect her and he has to help her because they have a new case that they need to investigate and they need her help. And this particular case is the case of the of a murder of a teenage boy from a wealthy family and his body was found without any blood left in it. So that's kind of, I know that's dark. However, the murder is just the start. You also have a high-ranking executive and daughter of one of the richest men in Spain who has been kidnapped. And that crime is tied to the teenage boy's murder. Something I love, I have to say, about thrillers like this is, I mean, I know this sounds complex, but that is the fun in reading these types of thrillers, I think, because you know you're going to get a lot. You're going to get plot. You're going to get characterization. You're going to get action. So anyway, of course, we need to read this to find out. Is she going to come out of hiding? I bet she probably will. And what's going to happen? Who is going to be able to solve this? And what happens if the killer, who is billed as potentially having wits that match Antonia's, what's going to happen when they go up against each other? So Alifair Burke, who is an author that I absolutely love, calls this a smart, addictive thriller. And let me tell you something else about this author and this book. He is one of the most successful contemporary Spanish authors. This book has, this This is a trilogy, and it has already sold more than 2 million copies in the original Spanish language. So we are very lucky that this has been translated, and it's also currently being adapted by Amazon as a streaming series. So that is Red Queen by Juan Gomez Gerardo. Comes out wow. March 14th. This, When you said Red Queen, I saw it on your list. I was like, huh, 
I thought it was going to be like a, a light fantasy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, all right. This is my last weirdo. I'm sorry. It, <laughs> I say weird. It's a good thing. I like weird. I am weird. All right, let me get a load of this. It's American Mermaid. It comes out on March 21st, and it's by an author named Julia Langbean. And it's about a broke English teacher, Penelope Schliemann, who surprises anyone when her feminist novel, American Mermaid, becomes a bestseller. Lured by the promise of a big payday, she quits teaching and moves to L.A. to turn the novel into an action flick with the help of some studio hacks. But she's pressured to change her main character from a fierce, androgynous eco-warrior to a teen bombshell in a clamshell bra, naturally. And when she does that, strange things start to happen. Threats appear in the screenplay. Siren calls lure Penelope's co-writers into danger. Penelope's like, okay, am I officially losing my mind or has my mermaid come to life? And she's pissed about what Hollywood has done to her. So if you're still with me, it follows, American Mermaid follows a young woman braving the casual slights and cruel calculations of a ruthless industry town where she discovers a beating heart in her own fiction, a mermaid who will fight to move between worlds without giving up her voice. And this is a hilarious story about deep things. I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, again, sounds super different. I like books that like have a little bit of tie into Hollywood or LA or California. I like the sound of it. So I'll vet it and let you all know. It's Please. American Mermaid by Julia Langbean. You know, that sounds just weird enough that it it could absolutely be yes. amazing. Yes. I can't mm-hmm. wait for you to... I need you to read that soon and tell us. I'm going to. I think okay. I'm going to sample it for our March Easily Distracted by New Releases episode. Oh, good. Okay. All right. My next book is The Fake by Zoe Whittle. Comes out March 21st. And this is about three different people. So it's about Shelby. And she is suffering from prolonged grief after the death of her wife. She's become isolated. She's irritated by her family and her friend's reliance on toxic positivity. And she decides to join a grief support group. And at the support group, she meets Cammie. And Cammie is a bit of a whirlwind. And she ends up giving Shelby permission to express all of her hopeless feelings. Cammie is very charismatic, and Shelby is drawn to her. They become friends. They support each other. And Cammie is in the support group, because she is recovering from cancer and she's going through other calamities in her life. So Shelby ends up putting all of her energy into helping Cammie thrive until at one point her intuition tells her that maybe something isn't right. And then you have another character. His name is Gibson. He is fresh from divorce. He's almost 40 and he's been depressed. And then he falls in love with someone named Cammie. And not only is he having great sex with a woman so attractive that he can't even believe she's glanced his way, but he feels truly known for the first time in his life. However, Gibson's friends are a little wary of Cammie, and eventually he has to admit that all the drama in her life kind of feels a bit over the top. So what happens when one day Gibson and Shelby meet? And they realize that Cammie's stories don't always add up. And in fact, they're actually far from the truth. Okay, this sound this sounds so good. None of that is a spoiler. Like this is this is what the story is about. It's billed as a sharp emotional novel about lies, liars, and the people who love them. And I personally cannot resist a scammer story. But this one sounds like it is also going to have a big emotional component to it. So I am very curious uh, already about what is going to happen with all three of these people. So that is The Fake by Zoe Whittle. Comes out March 21st. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that one too. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so many good ones. So many. All right, I'll wrap it up with my last book called Not So Perfect Strangers by L.S. Stratton. This one comes out on March 28th. And this one is a modern spin on Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train, but it adds elements of race and gender politics to it. So Tasha Jenkins has finally found the courage to leave her abusive husband, and she takes their teenage son with her. She checks into a hotel the night before their flight out of D.C. and out of Cordell's, the father's life forever. 
But escaping isn't so easy, and Tasha soon finds herself driving back to her own personal hell. As she's leaving, a white woman pounds on her car window and begs to be let in. And behind the woman, an angry man is pursuing her. So Tasha makes a split-second decision to let her in. And then they leave. So the woman's name is Madison, and they may have very different everyday realities, but what they have in common is that they're both in marriages that they need out of. The two women want to help each other, but they have very different ideas about what that means. They're on a collision course that will end in the case files of the D.C. MPD homicide unit. So I'm like, oh, God, that Mm -hmm. doesn't sound great. They're unraveling the truth of what really happened might be impossible, but what has the truth ever done for women like Tasha and Madison? So I want to know where this goes. I don't know. Hopefully there's some sort of element of hope or some sort of commentary. I don't know. I don't know what I want. Maybe I'm asking too much from a novel, but I thought the setup sounded really good. This was Not So Perfect Strangers by L.S. Stratton. Okay, yes. Yeah, I'm intrigued by any comparisons to Strangers on the Train. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. All right. My last book sounds crazy, and I can't wait to read it. It's The New One by Evie Green. Do you know? Have you heard of this one, Tina? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. comes out March 28th, and this is the story of a family living in poverty in near-future Cornwall. And you have Tamsin and Ed and their moody, rebellious daughter, Scarlett. And after a tragic accident, leaves Scarlett in a coma and with very little chance of recovery, Tamsin and Ed are out of options until a lifeline emerges in the form of an unusual medical trial. So they are offered the very best treatment for Scarlett a fully furnished apartment, a limitless spending account, and all they need to do is agree to move to Switzerland and welcome an artificial copy of their daughter into their home. Oh, is that all? <laughs> That's all. Of course. So they, of course, they, yeah, they want, they want to try to help their daughter. And they're also probably really intrigued by the whole life of luxury while trying to help their daughter. So they agree to it. They make the move and they are suddenly propelled into a life of luxury. Their life, their entire life is transformed because the AI replacement, Sophie, comes into their life and makes it feel like they have their daughter back, except without the moody, rebellious parts. Sophie is engaged, she's happy, and she actually wants to spend time with them. But you know it's not going to stay like that because things take a turn for the worse when Scarlett makes a very real recovery and the family discovers that the forces behind their new life are darker than they could have ever imagined. This I cannot wait to start this story. This seems to give us a whole new take on sibling rivalry, perhaps. <laughs> um, I'm assuming that we're going to get some spins on that. What I really like, I think the prev- the premise sounds really clever and timely, especially since we've had Microsoft's chatbot Bing in the news lately. So if you don't know about that, give that a Google. But AI has been in the news and it, it's kind of crazy. So this feels like just the right story to read at just the right time. It's the new one by Evie Green. Comes out March 28th. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, what a good collection. Hopefully, you all are as intrigued, I think, as we are with the upcoming releases in yes. March. Renee, what it, what's your current read? All right, my current read is also a March release. Um, I was feeling a little slumpy lately, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I had to pull out the big guns because I was trying not to read too far ahead, but I had I had to do it. So I am currently reading "I Will Find You" by Harlan Coben. Mm. which comes out March 14th. This is about David Burroughs, who at one point had a fa- had a family. He was happy. He had a three-year-old son, Matthew. He had a wife, Cheryl. They were in love. And then one night, David wakes up and discovers that Matthew has been murdered while they were asleep. And David is currently at the opening of the book in prison for the murder of his son. And so, yeah, 
Mm. A lot's going to happen. He gets a visitor at the prison who shows him a photograph. And in that photograph looks to be his son, Matthew. What? Oh, my gosh. Um, it sounds so a, good. It's not, it's, it is really good. This is, this is classic Harlan Coben. I love Harlan Coben. His standalones. I don't typically read his series. And this is a standalone. This is like, you know, from the get-go, you're getting like Harlan Coben. There's some snarky writing. And um, I'm probably about 10%. And I cannot wait to get back to this book. So I will tell you that. I I can't wait to bring it back to the show. But if you haven't read Harlan Coben, just go ahead and put this on your TBR. Put your holds in. I guarantee you're going to want to read it. Um, That's I Will Find You by Harlan Coben. Mm-hmm. When he, I, same thing. I don't read his series, but I like his standalones. Mm-hmm. I'm reading something very different. I don't know. I needed something because uh, I just finished Hello Beautiful. I was like, I'm, I am changed. So I needed something that my my little brain could handle. So I'm reading <laughs> The Reunion by Kayla Olson. It's uh, romance. And it's about two former teen stars who reconnect at the reunion for their hit TV show. And they discover that as adults, they still have the chemistry that they once had. And they're wondering that if there might be something more between them than just friendship and nostalgia. So far, it's pretty predictable. I'm about halfway done. What I do like about it is there are these little breaks in between the chapters that are like tweets and Instagram posts and things because these folks are supposed to be uber famous. It's entertaining. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm like, what's going to happen here? You guys just like each other now? You're going to be happily ever after? What's like, I'm waiting for the drama. I think we're going to get some, but so far so good. It's The Reunion by Kayla Olson. Happy March reading. Happy March reading, everybody. Oh man, check in. Let us know if you've got early reviews, late reviews, whatever. We always, we always want to hear from you. Yeah. That's it for today. Thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to our exclusive bonus content like book club and discord for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc., you can join us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at BookTalkEtc, Tina at TBREtc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Hold on. Sorry. My fucking computer just said, oh, I'm going to restart now. No, you're not. I'm doing things.